Tonight's reading will be from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, sorry, knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of God. Good evening, church. Uh, welcome to Christ Church Midland uh, to 2024. It is a joy to have you join us. If you're new, you run out of newcomers' pegs, you'll come back next week. We'll give you a nice welcoming. Um, everyone is welcome, even Gen Z's with um, orange hair or whatever that color is. Uh, at this church, we welcome everyone. Um, it is a joy to, um, to be together. And one of the things we're going to be doing for this week and next week is that we're going to be looking at God. And that is what we do every week. Um, but one of the things we want to do is to look at this God of how much more. Someone say, how much more? The how much more God. I like um, AD was preaching in the morning, uh, and you used a, a, a picture. Uh, MJ, can you please sort out this echo? I can hear myself. It's not a... By the way, when, you, when you're speaking, what you hear versus what other people hear is different things. Um, so I don't like the sound of my voice. Um, God be with you. Um, so <laughs> Eddie, Eddie spoke about uh, just our approach of life, especially as we start off the new year, that we tend to um, struggle with a whole lot of things. We tend to be exposed to so many issues in life and that very often he used the picture of a hand just on his face, that we tend to look at life uh, through the lens of our hand, and our problems are just here. And what he said from Psalm 93 this morning was that sometimes we need to lift up our eyes uh, to see God, and that's what this series is meant to do. Uh, this week we're talking about money uh, because it's January, and we need to talk about money because uh, our bank accounts are, have uh, been through December. So we, we want to talk about money uh, because I think it's a key area of concern for Christians as we start off the new year. And then next week, we're going to be looking at sin and our, our battle with sin and how God helps us, uh, this God of how much more helps us to, to think about money. Uh, we're going to look at two passages. One is that the one that Naledi read for us, and then the other one will come from uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 22. And it's a similar theme that runs across these two, two things. Uh, it is the God of how much, how much more. It is the comparison of something less that God does in our world. And then uh, what the gospel writers do is that they lift up our eyes to see uh, this God who can do so much more uh, for us. Uh, as we start the year, as I said, one of the key things we worry about in middle class life is, is money. If we didn't live in middle class life, we would be maybe planting and sowing uh, sorry, uh, sowing and reaping, we'll be worried about whether the rains are going to come this year, are we going to have enough food. Uh, so it is an, a human thing to worry. Uh, it is a human thing to worry about our provision. And the question we are asking is, does God care about that? 
Uh, and so I hope you have your Bibles to see what he has to say, not what David has to say. Please bow your heads as I pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful uh, for Christ who is our only hope, uh, for Christ who is, who is our firm foundation, uh, for Christ uh, who is the one who guides us in this world through his word. Uh, and so I pray that as we look at your word, as we start off the new year, uh, that you just be with us, uh, that you'd help us to see you, um, that we'll make perspective um, of our lives here in this world. So please be with me as I lead us in a time in your word. Please open your word um, to your people to see, to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. So one older Christian, he's a businessman, comes to our church. Uh, he preached at one, one event, it was a men's event, and he said that if you say that money is not Im- important, you probably have not lived long enough. Uh, if you say that, um, if, I don't know if you've seen that meme that says, money aside, what, would, what, is, what is the... Uh, the one thing that will solve your problem. And then someone responds by saying, well, that money that you just put aside, that will solve my problems. Uh, if you think money is not, not important, you have not lived enough. Uh, if you live in Midrand, money is important. Money helps us stay in Midrand. Money pays the hospital bills. Uh, money pays uh, just about everything, even our food. Uh, so money is quite Important. So if money is important, uh, and if we take what Jesus says seriously in chapter 12 uh, of Luke, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. We should feel the weight of that, uh, that we live in a culture that uh, where money is important. We live in a culture also where Jesus tells us uh, to not worry as we step into twenty. 24. I don't know if that's the kind of posture that you have towards, uh, towards this year of not worrying. Many of us are worried, if we are to be honest, uh, if we live in the middle class, middle class world. Uh, so how do, we, how do we engage with money as middle class people? Uh, well, there's, I think, uh, two things that, that happens as we live, as we strive to be followers of Jesus in this world. Uh, as, as we live uh, in Midland. We are either pushed around by the challenges of life and money, or we are pulled in by the values of middle class Midland. So we are either pushed around by the challenges around money, or we are pulled in and sucked in by the value system of, uh, of uh, Midland. Uh, you feel the push around if you are adulting for any amount of time. Um, you will feel the, uh, the push around. You'll think that you start off the year. Resolution. I'm going to spend money wisely this year. Perhaps that's your resolution. And then suddenly they come at your complex and say uh, those dreadful words, special levy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. Special levy throws your whole budget of the of the table, and as you think that uh, you got the special levy intact, Ndate uh, Kanyaho says that there's a family meeting, and he's going to announce that there's a 50 basis point, whatever that means. I don't know what it means, but I often get a message from FNB that explains to me uh, what that means. 50 basis points, according to one article, says 
that we are at, uh, uh, at a lending rate of 11.75. Uh, that is the highest since 2009. So that is the, 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 the nature of money. We've been pushed around. It means if you bought a house in 2021, you are paying uh, close to 5,000 rand more than when you started. So that's just the reality of money. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. And you're starting to worry because the budget is not adding up. Here's some newspaper articles that define, again, what the middle class is going through. Most of them, all of them, uh, headlines written last year. Even essays rich, that is you and I. Uh, we are rich. I know you don't think that you are rich, but that is the reality. You have running water. Uh, you stay in, in, in Midrand. You've never had to... A protest for service delivery. Uh, you are part of the rich. You are part of the 10% in South Africa. And uh, the article says even the rich are feeling the pinch and struggling to get by. That was written last year in June uh, 2023. South Africa's middle class is 10,000 poorer than in 2016. Uh, the inflation is going up, but the, the, the salary is not keeping up. Uh, with with that. That is the reality. We've been pushed around. If we were to be honest, Jesus, we worried. Um, SA's middle class is broke um, May 2023. Uh, that is um, where we find ourselves. Uh, so that's the reality. Uh, just as you uh, think you survived it all, petrol goes up. Uh, and then they say that it's going down drastically by 20 cent. Uh, they, as we would say, that they are... They, in Situana, they say rats bite you, and then they just blow on you to just ease you, and then they continue to bite you. Uh, and that's what life is like in middle class uh, Midrand, isn't it? And then as you are surviving the petrol hike, ESCOM comes and says stage eight, low shedding. You're working from home, so you need to get that money to get an inverter to keep life going. Are you starting to worry right now? Because <laughs> that is the reality. Uh, that is the weight of having to live in a world that pushes us around. As one soccer commentator would say, it is, it is hard to adult in Midrand. Um, so that's the one challenge we have, that life and the middle class life pushes us around. The second one is that it pulls us in. It lures us into are living the Instagram life, or at least what I call the Instagram life. You feel this pull as you see more and more of your friends on Instagram with that red, um, you know that red um, ribbon they put, uh, and the wine, the, the, the champagne, uh, and you think to yourself, what am I doing with my life? Because all my friends are progressing. And then to put salt in the wound, you go home during Christmas, and you're your, your, your family says, you've been driving this same car for eight years. Well, when are you upgrading? Uh, when are you moving along from that Polo Vivo? I've never experienced that. Uh, that's a friend of mine who's went through, uh, through that. So we live in this tension, right? We want bigger things. It is the opposite of what Jesus says again when he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Uh, that life is not about the stuff you have, but middle-class life says life is about what you have. In fact, what you have is the thing that uh, puts you above, uh, above the rest. Um, so we covet, uh, we want more, 
and more and more. Maybe that's just me. But I often feel that tension. I often feel that tension uh, to want more than what I have. To stop, to not um, stop and look at what God has given me, uh, but look at what I lack. Um, and uh, one, one author says that we have this mindset of scarcity. Uh, this mindset of scarcity. Her name is Lynn Twist. Uh, she wrote a book uh, called The Soul of Money. And she was a fundraiser for most of her life. So she had seen uh, poor people in different parts of the world. And she's seen how they, they obsess about money and not having stuff. Uh, but the surprising thing that she says in uh, The Soul of Money, it's not a Christian book, by the way. Uh, I, love, I love quoting non, non-Christian people because they sometimes dissect the issues of our lives in a way that's just so, so real. So she says that she explored two types of people, those who didn't have in the poorest of uh, the, the universe, and then those who had. And she discovered that both of them have this mindset and live with this worry about, about having more and more, having more and more. A friend of mine went to, after a long time, visited Zim, and he said that the situation is tough. But one of the things that he came to realize is that most conversations about hustling and making money. And that's the reality, isn't it? That you have to make money. He's from there, but he was speaking as somebody who was on the outside. But if you think about it, that is not so different to Jobek, is it? Um, Jobek is about making money. Sometimes our relationships, we form relationships, not at the evening service, based on where, the, where do you work? What can I get from you? Uh, and so that's, um, that's midland life. And Lynn Twist says that both the poor and the, those who, uh, who have a lot spend a lot of their time being dominated by what they don't have and what they stand to get. She goes on to say, we spend inordinate amounts of time calculating how much we have, want, and don't have, and how much everyone else has, needs, and wants. We spend most of our hours and days of our lives, hearing, explaining, and complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. That is a pride in uh, Jobek, right? Uh, we complain about, or we think about and dream about the next big thing, the next big promotion. Uh, we don't have enough. Uh, we don't have enough profits. We don't have enough power. We don't have enough weekends. And of course, we don't have enough money ever. She says we live in the scarcity mindset um, this scarcity mindset touches just about everything. She says that before we even sit up in bed, before our feet touch the floor, we are already inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something. And by the time we go to bed at night, our minds raise with a litany of what we didn't get and what, didn't, what we didn't get or didn't get done that day. So that's the pool of middle class life, this deep desire for more. She goes on to say, and this is the last Quote, that this internal condition of scarcity, this mindset of scarcity, lives at the very heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudice, and our arguments with life. We scramble or race to get what's ours. We often grow selfish, greedy, petty, fearful, or controlling, and sometimes confused and conflicted. And then she says that because of this scarcity mentality, we live with this fear, and this fear that uh, we, we are always going to chase, chase, chase more. And so to numb this fear, we want more 
and more. To escape this fear, we want more and more. So that pull of middle class life to lure you in into the Instagram life, that push around of the realities of uh, and the challenges of life is real to a Christian. Uh, does God speak into that? Of course, his word does. Of course, God does care about us as we live the middle class life. So what does he have to say to us? Uh, two things that he has uh, to say from both Matthew chapter 7 and then Luke chapter 12. Two different verses that describe what Jesus has to say about money and about our attitude towards it. Uh, and especially as we enter 2024, these are the things that we ought to hold on to. The first thing is that you have a heavenly father. And the second thing is that this father does so much more for us. Uh, you have a heavenly father, and this father will lavish you with good things. How much more will this father do? Have, have a look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. As we look at the first point, you have a heavenly father. If there's one thing we drilled last year, is this idea of the fatherhood of God. And I think this should be drilled in our heads time and time again. This is something that Jesus drills into his disciples' heads and hearts time and time again. In Matthew in particular, he compares two different ways of life, the way of the religious and the way of those who have security in who the Father is. And in this section, he's speaking about asking the Heavenly Father. Have a look at chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. This is what Jesus says. And as we read it, note the, the, uh, the emphasis on uh, who God is. Ask and it shall be given to you, will come back to you. Seek to that and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Verse 11, note how the Christian faith is different in the way that it describes God and in the way that it helps us to see God in our worries and in our struggles. If you then who are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give, you good things to, give good things to those who ask him? At the heart of the Christian message is this idea of God being Father. At the heart of the human struggle is us striving for other fathers or seeking affirmation from the opinions of men, which is what we see in chapter 7 of Matthews. Uh, that the Pharisees, the religious people, people who were churched were looking for affirmation from other people. So they performed religious duties. Uh, they were in so many ways the same as the world around them. Uh, they sought for um, affirmation and validation from, from others. They lived and valued money in the same way that others lived and valued money. So if time and time again, Jesus talks to them about how to be different, how to pray different uh, from those who are uh, in the world, how to give differently, how to be secure in their relationship with the Father. That is at the heart of 
what Matthew says uh, to, to these people. It is him reminding them that they have a father. As Christians, one of the things that we ought to remember, one of the things that we saw in, across Ephesians last year was that we have a heavenly father. And this father is not interested in our performance. He's not interested in us trying to please him. He is a father who steps out in generosity towards his children. But one of the key things also there in verse 11 is this word, your, your father. That it's not just that God is a father out there, but he's a personal God. Uh, he's a God who engages with us. You have a Heavenly Father, you have a personal relationship, or rather you can have a personal relationship uh, with the Father. And that personal relationship changes just about everything, uh, your behavior and your attitude towards this world, and particularly uh, towards money. In Luke chapter 12, verse 30, Luke says the same thing. Uh, Luke wasn't so much writing to Jews and religious people. He was writing to mainly Gentiles, and he was reminding them that they also are part of God's family. And so throughout the Gospel of Luke, he convinces Gentile believers and Jewish believers that everyone has the same access to, to the Father. And chapter 12, verse 30, he says this, For all nations of the world seek after these things. What are these things that lit and that lama of the world out there? And your Father knows that you need them. The very necessities of life, again, that personal um, way of relating to God. Your father knows that you need these things. Uh, so one of the biggest things that we see there in those two verses is the idea of God as father. A father who is loving, a father that you should depend on and rely on as you step into uh, this year. Uh, he is your father. What is the opposite in our culture of, uh, of um, not embracing this truth? Um, Lynn Twist continues to say that we often, what we do, we see ourselves in this world um, as either winners or losers, powerful or helpless, and we let those labels deeply define us in ways that are inaccurate, as if financial wealth and control indicate innate superiority, and lack of them suggests a lack of worth or basic human potential. Uh, basically, what she says is that if you're not deeply rooted in the idea of God being your father, you will seek finances and your status in society, your title at work. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that Jobek people tend to introduce themselves by their titles at work. Uh, I'm so-and-so. Um, <laughs> I'm head of marketing at P&G or whatever. Uh, those things elevate us, don't they? Uh, they put us in a society, in a in a honor position. Uh, they shut down the shame that we so often deeply feel that we are unworthy. We're not good enough. We're not good enough for society. We're not good enough for God. And so we categorize ourselves either as winners or losers. Those who have power, those who don't have power. And guess what? If you feel powerless, uh, you want to step on others uh, to validate yourself. But the gospel says you ought to find your security in God being your father. The gospel reminds us day in, day out, for the rest of this year, we're going to remember that God is our father. And the more you are secure in your relationship with your father, the more you relate healthily 
towards your finances. Amen. The more you secure in that relationship, the more you'll see that you don't have to use money or your position in society or your net worth. Um, FNB sometimes reminds me of my net worth. And I'm just like, just chill, FNB. Um, stop shaming me. Um, you don't have to use money as a parameter of how much you matter. You matter to God. Amen. You matter to God. And the Bible reminds us, and we're going to see that more as we, um, as we look at God uh, this year. So the very first thing we see is that we have a father in heaven, and this is a father of how much more. Someone say, how much more? If you are awake, say, how much more? It is January, so you guys look uh, dead, but we're going we're gonna to come alive as we go on. I'm also dead, but I had coffee. Say, how much more? Amen. So what, what we're going to see is this God of how much more. As both Matthew and Luke compares um, something, they make an argument from the lesser to the greater. And they say, if God can do this small thing, this father of yours, then how much, how much more? And he uses a relationship, um, a, a picture of a relationship between a father and a son. One of the best rela- uh, relationships I saw was on this video. It was a sad video of this guy who did not have anything. A father who didn't have anything but wanted so much to provide for his children. So you see him, they interviewing him, and uh, he stays in some squatter camp. And he's just explaining that he, he went to hustle that day but he didn't get anything. Uh, he didn't get any food for, for that day. And so the guy who's interviewing him asked him why he's washing the pots. And he just, he says, well, I know my children are watching right now, and I'm just hoping, because it's around six o'clock at this time, that they'll see me washing this pot and expect that there's going to be food at the end of this. But there's no food at the end of this. I just hope that they will sleep, and then I can hustle some more uh, tomorrow. It was such a moving videos of the realities of, of South Africa. But one of the powerful things is just the heart of this father to provide for his children. He just had a, a deep desire to go out there and hustle, hustle hard for, for his children. If you have children one day, you'll have this deep desire to hustle hard. Priv, if you have children one day. By the way, this is privilege. Uh, he's married to Catherine. Um, put your hands together for him. He's a newly married man. If one day, as I advised him to wait five years um, to have children, uh, if he one day has children, he's going to feel this deep desire to provide for his children. Jesus uses fathers. I know mothers also have this deep desire to provide uh, for their children. Uh, I have this deep desire uh, to provide for my children. One of the things I love more than anything in this world is sleep. Uh, but <laughs> I love sleep, um, and it's a struggle uh, for me to be woken up at 1 o'clock and a little voice, a cute four-year-old voice says, Papa, can I please have water? And I'm just like, oh, because I'm still waking up, right? I do love to provide for my children. Then I wake up, I go into the kitchen and provide water for my children. I'll never, no matter how much I love sleep, go in there with boiling water to give to you. That, that is just inconceivable. If me, a sinful, imperfect person, 
it delights in uh, blessing um, their child, delights in blessing my two-year, three, four-year, wow, how old is she? Four-year-old daughter, how much more? Somebody say, how much more? How much more does God delight in providing for us? Have a look at Matthew again as he argues from the lesser to the greater. Look at this small thing that God cares about. If he cares about this, how much more will he care about you? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it, to, the, uh, to the one who knocks it will be open. Verse 9, how much more? Or which, of, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Verse 10, and if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent. If then you who are evil, who are imperfect, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. God wants to remind us that as we start this year, we need to just ponder life just a little bit. If imperfect fathers can have this deep concern for their children to provide for them, how much more will the heavenly father? If he says, if he started off by saying, you have a father in heaven, how much more does this father delight in providing for us? Isn't it a wise thing? Wouldn't it be a wise thing to trust God's provision for this year. At the back of our mind, we have those worries of middle-class life, but God calls us and he reminds us that he can do so much more for us. If we are imperfect, can do that. Uh, We are less. Uh, How about this great God uh, who is in the heavens, who is perfect? Uh, Have a look at uh, chapter 12, verses 22, as um, Jesus uh, continues to teach his disciples. I'm going to pick it up from verse 22. Uh, Luke chapter 12. Again, this idea that Jesus says to his disciples to not be anxious about anything. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus, do you know our lives? Well, clearly he does. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. In as much as finances are important, life is not all about money. He goes on to say, consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Consider these small things, consider and look around Midland, and if you come to the courtyard area, you'll see weaver beds, they are yellow, Uh, They are weaving their nest there. They don't have a nine-to-five, but they are always full and bothering us. They're always pooping on the tables. Those things are small. God feeds them. If he can do that that thing which is less, how much more? Somebody say, how much more? How much more will he be committed to you and delight in giving good things uh, to you? How much more? Will he care for us? Verse 25 and 26, he gives us more reasons as to why we should not worry. Um, Now, we need to remember that when the Bible talks about, especially in this verse, anxiety, we shouldn't draw everything that we know about anxiety into this verse. Uh, Jesus is talking about the paralysis of worrying about 
money in this particular verse. So we shouldn't use it to talk about anxiety in general. Uh, verse 25, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan of life? To, to, rather, rather, to his span of life. And if you then are not able to do as small a, th- a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Um, so one reason we should not worry is because God will provide. The other reason is that it does not help us um, to worry. It doesn't help us to worry. Verse 27, he goes on to say, Consider the lilies, uh, those are the flowers, how they grow. They are neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the fields today and tomorrow is thrown away in the oven, there's such a small thing that is insignificant. If you go to the garden route, I've seen pictures back in the day of my wife taking a trip down the garden route and seeing all these beautiful flowers that just grow wild. Nobody waters them, but they grow. That is how God has wired this, this world. Uh, those flowers grow, and the scorching wind comes, and they wither. They're not so much, um, they're not so important. If God can dress those, if they can look as beautiful as any net florist shop, if God can do that, verse 28, but if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more? Someone say, how much more? How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Uh, and I'm like, Jesus, I am that one of little faith because sometimes I don't believe that you are a God of how much more. If I were to be real, the pressure of middle last life has me worried. But God wants to remind you that he is a father. If you are a Christian, if you've crossed the line of faith, he is your father. Someone say, he is my father. If you haven't crossed the line of faith, if you're not a Christian, he can become your father. This father of yours can do so much more. If you consider the world around you, if you just reason out, because sometimes worry comes from us actually saying, Jesus, I know what you're saying is... It's real and it sounds all good, but according to logic, that doesn't work. I cannot not worry. I have to worry because life is that way. He goes on to give you logic. Logic says the birds and the, 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 the flowers out there are well taken care of. If God can do that, if your father can do that, how much more can he do for you? How much more? Someone say for the last time, how much more? How much more? Instead of worrying and adopting this posture... Or this posture. <laughs> we must adopt this posture. Amen. Of asking. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, it is the start of a new year. And if we are honest with you, there's so many things that trouble us. Um, we live in this world. Uh, we want to please you. Uh, we want to live for you. And sometimes the things that Jesus calls us to do are quite difficult, uh, but we have your Holy Spirit working in our lives to help us to see you. Um, And when we see you, Lord, it does not minimize the things that we face in this world. It does not minimize 
the challenges and the, uh, the temptations of living in middle-class life. Um, it does not put those things away, but it, it gives us a new perspective. And I pray that you'd give us this new perspective, that instead of looking at what is wrong with our world, instead of worrying uh, to come to see you, our Heavenly Father, to see you as a God who cares, uh, to see you as a God who can do so much more uh, in our lives uh, and so much more in 2024. Lord, we don't know what this year will hold, uh, but we know that we can hold on to you, uh, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, uh, the God who chooses to lavish his love on us. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ, that while we were sinners, you sent him into this world to show and display your generosity, to welcome us at your table, Lord, so that we can live with this deep sense of security that you are our Father. Thank you that when we look at the cross of Jesus, we see your hand, your open hand towards us sinful people. So I pray that we will not have any doubt or think that because of our sin and our brokenness, uh, you will not walk with us this year. But I pray that we will be deeply rooted in you being our Father. And that that um, deep security will help us in times when we worry. To remember that you are a God who can do so much more. And we pray that you do that and provide for us this coming year. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.